Hi, I'm David Pogue. Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your digital home for the RVing lifestyle. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com for additional information about each episode. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator, on New Year's Eve for the big January 2022 podcast. And this is Martha, the co-pilot, making making noises that will cause you to wince if you're listening to this podcast with headphones. Yes, and if you are wondering why we are uh, here on New Year's Eve, it's because we love our listeners. We enjoy sharing our New Year's Eve. And I'm a cheap date. (laughs) (laughs) Well, unfortunately, the champagne popped its cork before we started recording. So you're not going to get to hear that delicious sound. hear the delicious sound of the cork being popped. Let's pour the champagne, although it hasn't been uh, open very long. Yum, yum. Mm -mm. We'll clink our glasses, and we must admit that it is a little bit early, because unbelievably this year, ta-da! Now, hope we don't get silly. As, as our listeners have uh, have alluded to in the past. I think they like us better, silly. Mm, really? They got silly last month. We'll try to be less That's silly right. today. This is the second month with champagne. Hard to believe we are really celebrating. But uh, it is a few hours before midnight because we are going to a New Year's Eve party today, which we don't usually do in our Florida home. Oh, yes, we yeah, have we made do. it to Florida. We do. There's a neighborhood here that has a ball drop that we've gone to in our golf cart. Uh huh. Yes, but we don't usually go to a party party. Right. Right. And but this we don't one, know those people. But this one has the ball drop at nine p.m. <laughs> Does that mean you're getting old? Well, nine p.m. is uh, probably midnight someplace in, in the Barbados, middle of the. Oh, no, really? In the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, someplace. It's it's nine o'clock and midnight. In a couple of hours, we're going to go to that, but we're going to get the RV Navigator podcast out of the way first, and we're going to share with our listeners because we know that you are expecting a New Year's Eve podcast on January first of two thousand twenty-two. Did you think you'd make it? Um, last Ooh. year, this time, we had some hesitations. That uh, was definitely still a very scary time before the vaccine had been really out. I think a few health care workers had taken it by this point, And we really were looking into a black abyss. And when I look back on 2021, there have been some COVID-related uh, disappointments, especially lately. Uh, but we've managed to do a lot that we weren't able to do in the past. And for that, we're very grateful. 2021 did not turn out the way I expected. Um, I think we kind of thought that well, at last year at this time, we weren't vaccinated at all, were we? No. So we no. didn't really know about 2021 and how it would turn out. But I thought of it but, like the polio vaccine. We'd get the shot, we'd be yeah, immune, like yeah, exactly. normal, and that really has not happened. Well, especially recently, because in the past few days, this new variant has come about and has made the our life that much more difficult, especially considering that we're planning on going on a cruise on in January 3rd. <laughs> and the CDC has shut down. Well, has recommended that you do not go on a cruise. But are we going? 
Well, so far we are. <laughs> they haven't um, canceled. We are leaving the ball in the court of the cruise ship company, and we haven't gotten any e- emails or calls telling us that they've canceled it. We are, again, grateful that we scheduled a cruise that we can drive to. So <laughs> if we drive to Fort Lauderdale for three oh. hours and they say, sorry, we can drive back here again. But you're going to have to look for somewhere we- in this campground where I can wear my sparkly clothes. All oh, right. If we- <laughs> So you, you're going to dress up fancy regardless. <laughs> I brought them all this way. Oh, so in the last month, we have uh, come back down to Florida. You recall that we went home for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we decided to uh, drive back down here uh, starting on Christmas Day. Which was very disappointing to our family, I think. I felt well, kind of like eating raw. Well, we had a lovely yeah, Thanksgiving but, with them. We yes, had a lovely Christmas, Christmas. Eve with them yes beautiful homes great cooking and then we said we got to get out of here <laughs> and but, hit the but, road well well that wasn't really the case the the issue was is that on christmas day we usually go to a movie and have dinner and stuff like that with the family and frankly we just didn't feel comfortable about going out to a restaurant and or to a, to the movie theater because of the crowds and and all of this latest redevelopment of of covid in so many cases we just didn't feel comfortable with that so we decided instead to hit the road and drive the 1,200 miles it takes to uh, come down here to Florida. And boy, the weather has been very nice. And we're so glad we left when we did. Certainly early Christmas morning, the roads were so empty, I hardly recognized that I was in my hometown (laughs) because nobody else was there. And and we made it through Atlanta, our nemesis, without incident, and um, only hit a little traffic as we came south on 95 on the day after Christmas when more and more people also were beginning to head down here for theme parks or whatever else. We zipped through Atlanta at 65 miles an hour, which was great. And as she said, uh, we did didn't re- really run across any traffic, but in reading uh, various posts on, on the RV sites, uh, many people have hit major traffic on 95 or 75 on the days uh, immediately following Christmas. So it's good that we did just decided to leave them because we didn't have much traffic. So take that as a lesson. And it just makes sense. The more traffic there is, the more likely you are to have an accident. And of course, since we've left home, they finally had a white Christmas a few days late and are getting more snow and more bitter cold, and we, again, feel very grateful to be down here. (laughs) We're wearing our shorts, turning on the AC every afternoon when it gets a little too warm. Uh, Life is good for us. Indeed. So we look ahead to 2022. What do we have going on? We have many plans, yes. but it's very unlikely that most of them will come uh, to fruition. We had many plans because we thought, well, as well as, as 2021 went, 22 is going to be even better, and so we can make all sorts of plans. We have uh, five or six trips planned. Some uh, are rolled over from some, yeah. 2020. Uh, when I look back on it, we rolled over them and rolled over them again. We are on plans D, E, and F. <laughs> For the upcoming year. Yeah, because this trip that we just are coming up to, this cruise, is actually Plan D. Yeah. We were going to go to Asia Asia. for a month. And then we found a substitute also in Asia that slid perfectly into the canceled cruise time slot. And the day before we went to pay final payment for that, that was canceled. So we are up to Plan D here in Florida. Uh, Plan D being if this cruise doesn't go, then we do something else. Oh, jeez. No, that'll be E. Oh, that'll be E. (laughs) Yes. The other thing that was in my mind is so far, because COVID is still 
a huge variable. Um, some of the things that we've booked have become more affordable than they used to yes. be because people are hesitating and the travel companies want us to come back. And Lord knows we want to. And we felt like if we waited too long to book something when things were safer, ha, 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 um, <laughs> that we would have to pay a lot or they would be full. So my thinking at this point is we have planned the year very tightly with activities. And if half of them get canceled, <laughs> we can roll them over to the next year. And, and not much RVing this upcoming year. This last year we did uh, that nice long trip out to the west and we did the Albuquerque Balloon Festival, which was exciting and fun. But this we're not doing much uh, RVing because we are rolling over these other plans that uh, do not involve RVing. Unless we move on to plans JKNL, <laughs> which will be RVing. And I think we can always fall back on RVing as something that we can do regardless of the conditions of the virus. So it's nice to have an RV and it's nice to have that as <clears throat> the deep backup plan. And to be able to be flexible the way working people yeah. cannot be. And we hope that you are also uh, in the throes of planning stuff. Last year at this time, we weren't vaxxed. We got vaxxed on January 20th of 2021, and we were so grateful that uh, that happened, and we survived, and we made it through, and then we got our... (laughs) Your survival? Yes. (laughs) I'm celebrating our survival. (laughs) So... Uh, that's our survival, and we hope that you uh, are surviving too, and you got yourself vaxxed, and you're looking forward to a good year. I don't really feel all that threatened by this new virus, but um, the cruise companies are obviously looking at the at the big picture and all of their passengers and. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. It's kind of ironic. When we left home, I was mostly worried about passing the COVID test, which will be given to us at the port um, in Fort Lauderdale. And if you flunk the COVID test, you can't get on the ship. That, of course, makes sense. And what we read is that people who are well vaccinated as we are can get COVID without symptoms. So then how do you know? But now we are also worried about the fact that the ship will not leave. So we have a lot to worry about. Yeah, and a friend of our who uh, was flying uh, back to Chicago from New York had their... Is still in New York. (laughs) Well, it was... She's supposed to be flying back tomorrow, but on New Year's Day, but her flight was canceled already, and she's now flying back on Monday, and I'm thinking if we'd flown to this cruise, and we were planning on flying on a specific day, (laughs) and and they postponed it for two days. And that that could happen to some of our fellow passengers, too. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to hear. And you want to stay tuned, dear listener, because... Exactly how many people will be on this cruise? Uh, we don't know. The ship holds about 650, so we will see after we get down to Fort Lauderdale, which is about a three-hour drive for us. So we're driving down, leaving the car, coming back to the car, and then driving back up here in Titusville in order to to do this cruise uh, 11-nighter so in the Caribbean. So nothing too dramatic, but uh, it's turned out to be quite dramatic because of the uh, virus situation. Oof. So... Well, we should talk about camping a little. Uh, Really? RV? 
Ken found a wonderful resource uh, put out by Harvest Host. We've talked about them before. Yes. You uh, pay a small fee to be in their mafia, and then you have access to all the many, many places all over They've the country. They've got thousands now. Where you can camp for free for a night, sometimes a little longer than that. And they decided that they needed to um, educate the yes. RV populace about boondocking and how things work. We've met a number of people who have beautiful rigs that are well-equipped for boondocking docking but they hesitate to do that because and, they don't really know how to do it and this guide there'll be a link to it on our rv this is called page. the ultimate guide to free rv camping and it tells you everything from soup to nuts it's about 20 pages long i yeah, think I'd when all of a so. sudden done it's a pdf it's got the vocabulary that you need to know it's strategies how to camp how to manage your equipment the various possibilities the it's not specifically designed for harvest host sites but for all kinds of boondocking so if you have thought about it and are hesitating please give this a look it's an excellent resource and those of you who are not as well equipped as we are we want to remind you that we have boondocked when we were trailing owners we simply needed a generator that was outside our rig i can yep, remember yep, ken yep. going out one year in the snow and i bought an extra gas tank for it so that it would run a bit longer so you could add in more gas oh, when yeah, it was in yeah, the snow yeah. And um, we also carried a large plastic bladder that held extra water so that we could stay out in the boondocks. And that a was bit in the longer. days before real solar was possible. That's right. Yeah, so, so that's why we had to have a generator. You can plan to boondock no matter what your equipment looks And like. as you recall, last month in uh, Albuquerque, we spent eight days boondocking at the Albuquerque Balloon Festival. That was kind of a test of our overall systems. We didn't have to fill our tanks we didn't uh, we ran the generator just a little and uh, overall we were very pleased with the way the rig handled uh, that time without uh, any hookups and that's what boondocking is no hookups and you can do it uh, mostly around the western part of the united states uh, unless you're a member of, uh, of harvest host when you can stay at wineries and farms and various museums. museums and things and we've done some very nice harvest hosts so it's worth us to take a look and where will they find this information i already said i know you did but on, on the, the rv, RV navigator, navigator Homepage for this episode, for podcast 201. 201, January 2022, uh, and you're going to find that at rvnavigator.com. Uh, so, I'm old, and things change in the time period since the 50s. Now, I was born in, well, in 19, when uh, the... Before the 50s. Now, you're giving it away. Well, not exactly. Uh, okay, time for some wine. <laughs> Celebrate my more than oh the fifties was seventy years ago. Yes. Oh my god! I remember it well. (laughs) No, I don't remember it well, but I remember these things. This is very interesting. What we used to call things back in the fifties. And if you're young, you will probably not find this to be. This is related to food and how we ate. Um, Well, and and it's really dramatic to me how our eating habits, what we think is appropriate, healthy stuff. The things that we can buy easily in grocery stores, boy, has it changed. <laughs> and some of these things I even forgot. Pasta had not been invented in the 50s. It was macaroni or spaghetti. So you didn't call it pasta, you call it macaroni or spaghetti. And I remember, I don't remember calling it pasta, so I guess so. No. Curry was a surname. <laughs> Somebody's last name. Takeaway was a mathematical problem. And today we have takeaway. Pizza. 
Sounds like the leaning tower of somewhere. Bananas and oranges were only uh, available at Christmas time. As wow. A lot of people got them in their stockings. Because you, they didn't have the, the way to transport uh, fruit and things in the 50s. Most wow. everything we ate was canned, including pineapple. We had never seen a fresh pineapple, only chunks and In the cans. 50s, I'd never seen. Wow. All chips were plain. <laughs> potato, they were just potato chips. So they probably didn't take up a whole grocery aisle in and well, of themselves. Boy, things are really changed. Cubed sugar was regarded as posh. At Christmas time, my mom and I would go <laughs> to, Mar- sugar. to Marshall Fields, the flagship store in Chicago, and eat at the Walnut Room underneath the giant Christmas tree. And on the table, they old. would have sugar cubes for coffee and tea drinkers, I guess. And I treated them like candy and just ate sugar cubes. <laughs> I was very posh. <laughs> oh, boy. Oil was for lubricating your car. Fat was for cooking. <laughs> Today, we're trying to get rid of the trans fats, and we're even going to the next step. But my mother used Crisco to fry things. And we had fried food fairly often in a big, what she called a spider, which was an iron frying pan. Wow. Tea was made in a teapot using leaves and never green. Kebab was not even a food word. Um, Nobody had ever heard of a kebab before. Chicken's (laughs) tea. Chickens didn't have fingers back then. Seaweed was not a recognizable food. And none of us had ever heard of yogurt. Boy, that's we eat yogurt all the time. We just bought a bunch of it yesterday. And, and so we didn't have, I guess not. No. Prunes were medicinal. Healthy food consisted of anything edible. <laughs> oh, this is a big one for me. Water came out of the tap. If someone had, oh, really? had suggested bottling it and charging more than gasoline for <laughs> it, they would have been a laughing stock. I think we need to get back to that. Of course, I remember my first gallon of, of gas in 1963 was 29 cents a gallon. So was water 29 cents a gallon? We didn't buy it. We didn't buy it. We just It just came out of the tap. That's, oh, that's how my. we drank it. Or we drank out of the hose, too, which is also a no-no these days. Prunes were medicinal. I said that. Okay, sorry. The only thing that we never, ever had on our tables in those days was elbows, hats, and cell phones. (laughs) (laughs) And now, here we are, elbows... Hats and cell phones are all on the table. Oh, boy. Things have changed since the 50s. But that was 70 years ago. I wonder how many of our listeners actually yeah, remember that. And you youngins will have equally dramatic changes if you are lucky to live as long as we have. Ah, uh, yes. So have today. some more to drink. That's somebody who was Here we go. Okay. So page at the bottom of page one, we have... Okay. We do have notes. The biggest RV made just came off the assembly line. Now, we've seen big rigs, and we have a big rig. You know, we have four slides, 45 feet long, and uh, we consider this to be a big rig. But the Heartland Cyclone 4014 fifth wheeler toy hauler is 45 feet, 7 inches, 21,000 pounds. What kind of a truck do you need to pull that? 
A big one. Yeah, a semi. <laughs> well, yeah, because fully weighted, although our rig is substantially heavier than that. But the thing that's that's changed is, is that it boasts 480 square feet of living space once the slides are deployed. And that's 50 square feet more than any other. The RVIA has rescinded its previous mandate of the maximum 430 square feet, rescinded that in 2020. And so Heartland has uh, decided to go out and build an even bigger RV. Now, this rig, 45-foot motorhome, has about 375 square feet of living space, which we ours, consider ours. Ours, which, can, which we consider to be very adequate, but 450. And this is a result of uh, some changes in the laws. So you can expect to see bigger and bigger RVs. And, boy, can you tow it, though. And, well, and hopefully you end up in a bigger and bigger campground, too. We've enjoyed watching oh, fifth, yeah. big fifth-wheelers try to park, even those with skills. It's hard to wedge yourself in and, and turn at the appropriate time and then have your slides come out where there aren't trees or inconveniently placed signs. Uh, this will take some planning, I think, to drive a rig this big. So if you'd like to see a little bit more about this, uh, head over to the RV Navigator uh, webpage for this episode 2001. No, no two- it's episode 201. Thank you. <laughs> have some more champagne. So we hope that you have made your plans for the winter. Owning a site down here, we don't really have to make plans in advance, but the article here says, Snowbird Parks expect busy winter season as RVers complete, compete to nab campsites. And this is a, a, a general report done by the RVIA that uh, talks about how demand for campsites this winter has been extremely high. I'm not sure if it's because the Canadians are coming back, but they talk about the demand reported by campsites for Florida as being up by over 150% from previous years. I do have to say in our drive down here, we saw very few Canadian license plates. Mm-hmm. It's possible that most of them stayed home and celebrated Christmas properly, unlike us. Um, and our Canadian neighbor- neighbors have not arrived here yet either, but it's still early in the winter. But they talk about the popularity of campsites in Florida, Texas, uh, Arizona, as being uh, the demand uh, that campsite owners are finding our finding has uh, gone up dramatically. So I hope that you've made your reservation. And if you haven't made a reservation for this year but are planning to maybe go down in 2023, that you might want to uh, be thinking about making a reservation pretty soon for 2023. You mean when COVID is over? When uh, (laughs) COVID is over? (laughs) Will COVID ever be over, ladies and gentlemen? We don't know. You know, I watch a lot of, uh, well, I watch some YouTube videos. Do you watch them? Um, very rarely because they're very dangerous. For me, they're like quicksand. Once I watch one, then I watch 20. And I feel well, that's like, what they're hoping for, I feel it? that unless I go in with a focused purpose, that it could be a real time suck. But certainly anytime you want to know how to do, do anything something. or repair anything. And, or you buy a new camera. And when we have thought about traveling somewhere, you can find out a lot about that place because uh, everybody puts their vacation videos up on YouTube. So there's so much in information there and that's and it's really great but you do have to endure a few commercials and you know we did a few youtube videos a while ago and we've had maybe two or three thousand views 
But they were very specific to the cruise we were about to go yes. on, and I was amazed how many people found us, because that was a very yes. limited window of interest and opportunity. But I didn't really like making videos as much as I like really? making podcasts, <laughs> because they're hard for you to edit, and you have to look presentable. You You're always beautiful. You can't do a video in your PJs. <laughs> Um, so, Are you in your PJs? So, no, we're going out tonight. So hats off to those people who put in the time and do the extra work. Although I must say there are many <clears throat> YouTube videos where people don't put in the extra work that are pretty hard to watch. And in watching some of YouTube videos, there was one in particular where the, uh, influ- for better lack of a better word, the influencer who was uh, hosting the, the video talked about how much he makes... From YouTube. From the ads. From the, well, from YouTube. He doesn't sell the ads. YouTube does. But he made $1,700 a month, which is not bad, considering it's kind of a part-time sort of thing, and it just kind of self-generates. You put the episode up, and it just makes money. And we also follow some people who make what I would call more close to professional quality videos, and they make over $100,000 a year off of theirs. It's their primary income. So I did a little research, and I found a website that you can type in the YouTube address for your favorite uh, YouTuber and find out how much they make a year (laughs) from YouTube. And it's uh, actually quite interesting. Now, if you type in the RV Navigator, uh, you'll find out that we make zero because we have no YouTube. Well, we do. I have a channel, but uh, it has very limited stuff on it. And I was surprised that even my YouTubes have ads. And but I have not reaped one cent from them. Well, you've had to register as a partner program. Uh, so I have some work to Tricky do. Tricky details. According to the calculator, you need a minimum of 1,000 YouTube subscribers and about 24 million, million yearly views to generate $100,000. But if you generated $100,000 in income, that's not bad at all. No. So there are ways to earn in, uh, money with YouTube. And I, I guess these people, that's why there's such a huge number of YouTubes that uh, people are pushing on the channel because they make money from it. If you're an Instagrammer, you need a minimum of 5,000 Instagram followers and 308 spot, 308, that's kind of a funny number, yeah. sponsor posts a year to generate $100,000. Wow. Now, there are also so people that both? have their own YouTube channel. That's, that's a know, higher that, level, or is that no, that, a, no, the channel is what you would partner have. partner program. No, that's you, your partner program would be your YouTube your channel. channel. Oh. And that's when I did the search uh-huh. on this uh, calculator. That's what you put in is that. Because there's that little kid who his parents filmed him <laughs> playing with presents. Opening up toys. I think toys. multi-millionaires now I think from, so. from him. Well, that's it's it. Amazing. We don't do Instagram, so I don't know anything about that. But And TikTok is something that's totally beyond me. But if you do do TikTok, you need a minimum of 10,000 TikTok subscribers and over 270 million views a year to generate $100,000. But even a fifth of that, $20,000, is a nice little piece of change. So Oh, dear listener, don't do as the RV navigators do. <laughs> and be lazy. <laughs> Go out and be it. Are we influencers? No. Nah. But 
you might want to become an influencer. I guess I don't know how much work this is, and I don't know how much time you have to spend. But the thing this uh, person who was talking about how much they earned indicated was is that once your YouTubes are up there and people view them in perpetuity, they just keep generating money. And the more episodes you have, or the more content you have, the more money it earns. So so if we had done this at the beginning, people tell us that sometimes they go back and listen to our podcasts we'd from be the beginning. Ju- oh. We'd be making money. We'd have we'd own our own Bad mistake. We'd own our own cruise ship. Oh. Chris, they weren't doing this back in 2006. Is that when we started? Oh, that's a problem, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like going back and looking at the 50s. <laughs> Things have changed a bit in the last 16 years since we started this podcast. Oh, well. Well, we celebrated a nice landmark last last month, so maybe we'll make it again. Oh, the eSIM on my phone. Uh-huh. Another technology adventure which i never even thought about back in the in the day um i have an iphone 12 oh well everybody's well what are they saying how come it's a 13 (laughs) santa didn't bring you a 13 you were not a good boy no it's iphone 13 anyway i have an iphone 12 and it has the capability to have two sims a SIM is the card that comes from your cell phone provider that gives you the connectivity to their service. It contains so your phone number, right? It contains your phone number and all the data that they need to give you service. So by swapping out SIMs, you can swap services. So you buy a, a generic iPhone and you put in an AT&T SIM and it becomes an AT&T phone. You put in a T-Mobile card and it becomes a T-Mobile phone. That has been that way for a long time and it comes in a little slot that you use a paper clip to open. So the new phones, though, have what's called an eSIM so that you can transfer the information from a SIM, a physical SIM, into the eSIM, and then your phone doesn't need a physical SIM. Does and that you, make sense to you? And you do that through your carrier. You do that through your carrier. So I just recently switched over to an eSIM. I had a physical SIM in the, the iPhone, and I called them up, and in 15 or 20 minutes, they activated the eSIM that's already in my phone. So the eSIM is now the prominent SIM in my phone, and I have the slot is now available for a physical SIM. So this means that I can take a SIM from another carrier and put it into the slot and have two phone numbers on the same phone. Ooh. And theoretically, if you travel a lot all over the country as an RVer, you could have two carriers. And I could pick the best one for the The particular area area that I'm in. Or in my case, now that we're planning on traveling uh, outside the country in the the next few days, I will put a eSIM in – no, I will put in a physical SIM – for outside the country. So I could drop in an Italian SIM. I could drop in a SIM from Europe. Uh, and then I would have not only my Verizon number, but I would also have the the SIM from the local country. And data is much cheaper when you buy it that way. Than trying to use your data Verizon. service for overseas from the U.S. But I could still get phone calls from my Verizon number. Because so, it's still there. But I would be getting my data, and I would have a second phone number that would be local. So the SIM that I just put in, the physical SIM that I just put in, was from Google Fi. When I've talked about Google Fi before, uh, because it's a worldwide service, and I have a three two one number. 
And 321 is important Blast off. because it's the local phone number for the area code for this Florida area that we're in. Near so the, that's near that's the nice. space center. So you might want to take a look at your phone. This it doesn't. It's not an extra to add to your phone or anything. It's just built into the phone. And I think most of the iPhone 13s have it, as well as uh, some of the four, the iPhone 12s. And additional costs would be determined by what your other SIM is with. With Google Fi, we, it's a pay-as-you-go, right? It's a pay-as-you-go, right. So, so you depends, can do, yeah, and these overseas ones, we would pay for a certain yeah. amount of data, and that would be it. And we would then just use that up and then take the card, the SIM out, and uh, replace it with a different one. So as you go from country to country, you can just replace the SIM and get the best deal that you can for data and phone uh, while you're traveling. Cutting the cord with streaming. We have a question. This week's question comes from Stephen, who says, I would like to install an OTA antenna. Over the air. Oh, she's becoming technologically literate, ladies and gentlemen. Over the air antenna. Is it necessary to hardwire all of my TVs? I currently have four televisions that are connected to my Wi-Fi, each with a Roku. I have a great solution for that because we have something that I've mentioned before that's called Tableau. And the Tableau TV, tableau.com, T-A-B-L-O.com, is a company that makes a device that connects to an OTA antenna. So you have to have an outdoor antenna, not cable, connects to an outdoor antenna or an indoor antenna, but a separate antenna, and then connects to the Internet, either with Wi-Fi or with Ethernet, and it then broadcasts local channels over the Internet through their app. So you download Tableau app on, in this case, he says he has Rokus on all of his TVs. You download the Roku version of Tableau, and then you could watch local channels over the Internet. TVs are connected to the Internet. No matter where you are. No matter as where. long as you have a Wi-Fi, a robust Wi-Fi connection. That's exactly right. And so we use this, uh, <laughs> I had the pleasure of watching the Bears game from Chicago because here in Florida. Because won! <laughs> Something that had not had happened much this year. It was a game in the snow, and they had to shovel off the field in Seattle, but the Bears did win. And why was I able to watch it? Because I have this Tableau device connected at home. Now, this is a one-time expense. I They were on sale the other day, and I bought one down here for Florida for $69. Uh, so the device is, you know, you spend that kind of money once, and you have uh, virtually unlimited access to OTA from your home. So you use it primarily to stay in touch with Chicago events. If you had a Tableau and an over-the-air antenna on your rig, you could do the same thing by recording local stuff and time shift. That's another nice thing it has is a recorder so that you can use it as a VCR and record things off the air. So the Bears game, for instance, I recorded and watched it a little bit later because I wasn't home. To me, the best one you did was when we were in London. Really? And you yes. watched it many, many hours off of when it occurred because of the time change difference. So the Tableau has many nice features which you might want to take advantage of, either in your rig or at home, or 
connecting your rig up to home so that you can watch uh, local channels. And this would save you, if you have DirecTV or Dish, you wouldn't have to have uh, the local channels uh, on your Dish or DirecTV. So now that we seem to be spending more and more time down here, you can also set up the same thing here and keep tabs on what's going on in Florida when we're back home in Chicago. I can watch the local news while we're in Chicago. Yeah. Well, I figure for that yeah. kind of money, it's so yeah. cheap that why not do it? Very so I'm having, I'm going to have two. Oh, this sounds confusing. You'll have to pick between them. Oh, no. <laughs> and it has a TV schedule so that you can record remotely. Yeah, so it's, it's very nice, and you can record as many, uh-huh. as many shows as your hard drive will hold. So that's a nice way to answer that question, and I think it's, uh, it's very viable. I, I'm pretty sure he was not expecting that. Uh, his an- he was expecting an answer like, uh, why don't you get a, an antenna amplifier and split all the signals and Ooh, run wires? That sounds like a lot of work. Sounds like a lot of work. This is uh, almost no work. You plug it into the Wi-Fi at home and it's ready to go plus the fact that you can watch it any place in the world oh cutting the cord is comes right along with this of course and you know cutting the cord in an rv is a little bit difficult because you have to have a robust connection for your internet and unless you are one of those people who plops down at a fishing hole and stays (laughs) fixed it's a constantly changing situation yeah, I have a couple of articles on today's uh, website for the episode, and you will see that um, they give you some pretty good advice about uh, connecting up to Wi-Fi. And you, we get a lot of questions these days about the fact that I would like a lot of data, but I want it cheap. Good luck with that. <laughs> This seems to be the constant uh, theme among uh, many RVers is they they want to cut the cord, but when you're watching a movie on TV, it's six gigabytes an hour or so. So you got to say, uh, am I willing to pay for that? And the cell phone companies um, do limit you in the amount of data that you can get. They've got your number. Oh, no, that was clever. And... A lot of people seem to don't want to get a hotspot, and so there are two ways of getting data. One is is that you can get it through your phone, and use your phone as a hotspot, but that doesn't work very well. And the second one is to actually buy a data only hotspot. You can connect up to it through Wi-Fi. Unlimited plans on phones usually mean that you have to use the data on the phone, which is difficult. Why is that a bad idea? Because phones are not really designed to be hotspots, and so they have some significant limitations. Do they throttle you if you use too much? Um, they might, but like our phones have unlimited high-speed data, but only when you use it on the phone. Right. So if I want to watch a movie on the phone, right. no problem. I can't problem. connect my laptop to my phone. I cannot connect my laptop. If I would like to take a wire and connect the wire up to the TV, I can watch it that way, but that's kind of inconvenient. So we have um, a hotspot. Which is a separate device. Yeah. With a separate phone number. And these days, cell phone providers are becoming a little bit more sophisticated, and they're saying, well, we'll let you have unlimited data, but we're going to limit your TV. Because they can tell the difference between movies or video and just regular data that you might be using for web browsing or email. You should be familiar with a website called Fast.com. Fast.com checks your video connection speed. Now, I checked ours at home. This is impressive. Ours at home, you I checked, checked our phone? Or you I checked, no, I checked our internet ah. connection. Well, I mean, this is important for home, too, because you have to have a decent connection. We have 1.3 gigabyte but service. But that's from some sort of wire coming to our yeah, house. That's, yeah, yeah, that's the wire. But every, but 
the wire in your well, house. Well, it's confusing it, when you're talking about house stuff and camping stuff. Those are. But the data speeds are the it's the same measurement. You have to know. You have to know. So our friends at RVMobileInternet.com, which is a great site for finding out the latest uh, information about cutting the cord and other technology issues with mobile service tell us that uh, you need a decent data connection and they have a chart here that says 50 plus megabits is blazingly fast 20 plus megabits a second now notice that i had 1.3 gigabits at home at home five megabits a second is solid for surfing so five is about the minimum that you would want coming into your motorhome if you want to do any sort of video at all, you need 5 megabits a second. So you need to check that with speed test or with uh, the fast.com. And, of course, the other issue is upload speed. That was download. And so uploads because uh, you don't do as nearly as much uploading. But if you're doing Zoom or you're working from your RV, you probably need a decent upload connection too. And uploads are much slower than Download. downloads. So they say that you need at least five going up in order to have a decent connection with your <laughs> colleagues on the other end of the phone. Anyway, you want to take a look at this. I have some nice links to this from the webpage. So if you're interested in this, uh, and this is a constant topic, you probably should uh, take a look at those articles. We also n noticed that Verizon has restructured their data plans. And remember that when you're talking about a data plan, you don't talk about unlimited data. You talk about unlimited high-speed data. Because, yes, these plans are unlimited, but at a certain point, they start to throttle you. Which means when you're watching a movie that it starts to pixelate uh -huh. and doesn't look very sharp. We've been in that situation, and inevitably, the plot of the movie is people texting to each other, and then they show you the texts on the person's phone, and you're trying to squint at the TV. And even though you have your glasses on, you still cannot read it because it's not sharp. And so we're going to watch Dick Clark later on. We are? And he's going to be pixelated? Nope. I think Dick Clark no longer is alive. Well, but it's still... <laughs> that makes no difference. They still call it Dick Clark's <laughs> New Year's Eve. <laughs> Dick Clark... Oh. What? Maybe it'll be a hologram or something. No, it's just different people now. Dick Clark is dead? Ryan, Ryan Seacrest? Is uh -huh. he the one who... I missed that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> You've already had some champagne by then, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. Well, at least it's warm out. That's the good news. So anyway, these data plans from Verizon, they've uh, come out with some new ones that are quite reasonably priced. And you can get a data-only plan so that if you just want to have a hotspot with Verizon, they don't require that you have a phone. So if you have a phone, you get the data, these data plans cheaper. But the biggest one is 150 gigabytes which sounds like a lot, but uh, many people use far more than that. And people who have families that don't like to watch the same stuff would want well, to be streaming two, oh two movies or whatever is at oh, the same time. I haven't even thought about that. Sure. So you can get them in 150, 100 gigabyte, and 25, and 5 gigabyte plans starting at, I think it's on the order of $30 a month and going up to $90 a month for these plans, which it used to be at least... $10 a gigabyte. So a 150 plan would be uh, $1,500 a month. So they've come down dramatically in price, but 
they're still kind of pricey. But if you need data, you're going to have to pay for it. That's just the, the name of the game these days. But you might as well get what you need, if you can afford it, and, and go into it with the foreknowledge of what that requires. Yeah. So take a look at the RV mobile internet website, and they will help you make these decisions because uh, it is complex and it's it's hard to explain. No more technology. Oh, time to drink. Time to pour. Okay. It is New Year's Eve, and here we are talking about my favorite topic, New Year's Eve. Well, I think you should talk about the fabulous job you did repairing our windshield on the car. Oh. I think Don't I complained about this a few months ago when we were in Albuquerque. We were driving to the Apple Store to fix Ken's phone, and we were so relieved that that was oh, fixed. Oh, my fault. And as we were driving back to the Balloon Fiesta, we took a stone chip. Um, it's so disappointing. You're driving down the road, and all of a sudden there's this truck in front of you. And it was just pavement. It, was a, it wasn't Alaska. And it was a little stone, but it still put a nice little chip in our window. And I went out afterwards and looked at it, and it didn't really chip out a, a spot in the window it just took it just dinged it and what happened was is the second layer underneath kind of shattered and there was a, a fairly large star and i was thinking oh my god we don't have the insurance that replaces the window like in florida, like in florida, you florida i think to, you, you do have to, yeah, yeah so i was disappointed that i had this and i was disappointed that i wasn't going to be able to fix it but i went to the store and bought a kit because previously on our motorhome when we got a little a chip in the window. Uh, it did a great job of fixing it. So I bought one, and I brought it home, and it didn't work. So I went and bought one with a that was a different style, um, and I don't know if it was any better. It just fit better in the spot that I was doing it in. And I followed the directions as carefully as I could. And one of the things that it said is, is that you want to leave the car sit in the sun for 15 or 20 minutes and then put it in the shade. <clears throat> so I put it in the sun and then put it in the shade and I put the gizmo on and I sucked the stuff out and I did what it said. And wow. It's it gone. It's literally, no. It's figuratively gone. <laughs> you could see it if you if really you looked, looked at it. For it. But what was impressive to me is, is that there was almost no surface damage. It was just a very tiny pinprick in the surface, but all of the damage was below the surface of the glass, and this filled that all in and made it all it's transparent like clear nail again. polish that you shoot in there. Yeah, but it went into the glass, yeah. into the glass, yeah. and, and now if I was to show you the window and you didn't know there was a defect in it, you would never know it's there. You would buy the so car. don't hesitate to try to fix it yourself. I know there are these companies that come out and do it, but this cost me I don't, I don't know less than five dollars, I think. Well, of course, I had to buy two kits, but... Yeah. <laughs> and do follow the directions. And follow the directions as carefully as you can, because that's, uh, uh, I think, one of the factors that was important in this case. And I'm not good at following directions, <laughs> in case you didn't know. That's why I emphasize. I follow the directions from my wife very carefully. <laughs> no, we go to the directions after what we tried the first time. Ah, it doesn't work. Yeah, so three kits later, you're still worrying about it. All right, question number two. It is wintertime. Will my RV batteries freeze in the winter? And how do you winterize your RV batteries? I can remember you staggering into Ooh. the house with a battery <laughs> in your arms uh, when we had the trailer still, and you literally took it 
into the basement where it would be warmer. Yeah. So for all you poor folks that are in the cold weather <laughs> and your RV is sitting out in either being stored or it's just sitting out there, uh, not being used is, is basically the issue. What do you do with your batteries? Well, this is interesting because I did a little research. Uh, a fully charged lead acid battery has a freezing point of around minus 80 degrees Fahrenheit. At a 40% charge, state of charge, the electrolyte will freeze if the temperature drops to approximately 16 degrees below zero. While a fully discharged battery has a freezing point of around 20 degrees. Mm, So that's a huge difference. So the answer to the question is how do you winterize your batteries is you keep them charged. If it did freeze, would it like crack then? Is it unusable? It's dead. Uh Yes. Oh, that's a good point. Uh If your battery freezes... Start over. Start over. The battery is gone. The difference between minus 80... Which is almost never encountered. Not camping weather. Not camping weather. And plus 20 is a, I mean, that's 100 degrees. So, or plus 20 is, it would be fairly common. So, the answer to your question is to keep the RV batteries charged. Now, if you have it plugged in and you have a standard three-stage t- charger on the batteries in your motorhome or your, your rig, it will keep the battery fully charged as long as your RV is plugged into shore power. That's going to solve the problem. But... If your power goes out, what happens? Well, in our case, because we are storing it in a place that does not have any electricity... Just an open parking lot. Our solar panels charge the batteries and keep them fully charged. So I don't really worry about it. And with 10 large car battery type uh, batteries in this rig, I don't really re- have any place to store them and I don't want to take them out. It would be, oh, be, be a real job. To, so I just let the solar charging system charge it up and keep it uh, charged up and I'm hoping that it doesn't get below minus 80 degrees. So far, so good. So far, so good. So we've never had that issue. Now, you're saying to me, well, I am in your situation, but I don't have solar. Well, I did a little bit of research for that, too, and I was surprised that there are several products which will offer you a solar trickle charger, and they're very reasonably priced. So you can have a charging that will keep the batteries fully charged as long as there's sunlight, and that will uh, keep them at minus uh, minus 80 freezing. So if you go to our website again, you can click on this link, and it will show you the hookup that you need to hook the solar panel up. It's about 18 inches square, so you could either just set it out uh, next to your rig, or you could mount it permanently on the roof or something and wire this guy in, and then you'd be able to have a trickle charger, and that would work uh, full-time, whether it's uh, warm or cold or any time, and keep your batteries uh, up to snuff, and and you wouldn't come out there and it wouldn't start or whatever, so I think that's a pretty viable option. Obviously, our panels are somewhat bigger, so we have a little bit more capacity. It'll actually charge the batteries instead of just maintaining them. A good idea. It is Christmas, not Christmas Eve, it's New Year's Eve. 2020, is this 2022 or 2021 New Year's Eve? 2021, because New Year's Eve is on the old year. It is? Yes. Okay. New Year's Day is on the new year. Tomorrow we get to talk about 2022. Exactly. All right. 
Another bit of good news we found, you've heard us complain many times about how much you pay to stay at a campground when you're just driving through. KOAs are especially pricey in that regard, in my opinion. You have to pay for all of the activities that kids like to do at a KOA and the playground yeah. bouncy cushion, and all you want to do is pull in for a few hours and have a good night's sleep. Yes. So we are happy to say that the Love's truck stop people are getting on board with our complaint and they want to keep they want Just to keep us? keep us away from the truckers who we annoy because yes. we don't park properly and we don't like the listening to them running their engines all night exactly and they're going to start designating some areas at some levels not all of them this is a new thing where you have a pedestal where you can plug in that's a designated place for you to park for so bus. they have six or eight long parking spots. Now, this is not a campground, but a six or eight parking spots that have electricity and they have available sewer and water, so that you can take a so that you can dump and you can stay there for the night. And this, uh, we have experienced this on the Ohio Turnpikes, and we're very grateful. More it's places very nice. do this. You just pull in. You pull up to, through the campsite, and you plug in, and you can spend the night, put your slides out, and not really bother anybody in terms of uh, truckers or anything, and then you leave in the morning. And so loves seem to be responding to this and, and taking this already good idea and uh, turning it into something that they can use and make a little bit of money uh, for themselves. Because we're going to be there anyway. Yeah. So this is uh, something that uh, you want to take a look at. Um, I have a link to this on the, camp, on the RV Navigator webpage. And uh, there are about six or eight of these right now at Love's Truck Stops. So they're not many, but I expect that if this idea is popular, they will look at it as uh, another means of making a little bit of money. So if you use one or you go into Love's, mention it and tell them we Ooh, want good more. Idea. So your local dealer won't honor your warranty. This, you know, when, when we had our slide problem a month or two ago, we called around to other Newmar dealers that were going to be in areas that we planned to drive through, and I was kind of disappointed by their lack of enthusiasm, uh, which had many reasons. <laughs> but we read this article that really opened my eyes about the process. Really? Huh. Uh, because warranty work uh, seems to be like a fixed price from the manufacturer. You know, if you're going to work on this problem, uh-huh. this is what uh-huh. it should cost. And when a dealer is not familiar with your rig or your manufacturer, they spend so much time analyzing the problem, figuring out how your rig works, that inevitably it takes them much too long and they don't make any money on it. Really? And so I can't blame them. They're not charities uh, for not being enthusiastic about our slide problem, much as I was desperate for help. So read this article and you'll have a much better understanding of how the process works. I didn't realize it. Uh Very interesting. Um, One of the last things we want to talk about today are (laughs) the the under-the-weather pods. They're like mini tents. <laughs> we go out to the beach every once in a while, and it's uh, you like to have a little umbrella, or you want to sit out and watch a parade. And these are or you pods watch that kid you play soccer. Yeah, you put you bring your lawn chair, and it provides a one-person enclosure shelter, shelter yeah. that is apparently waterproof, but has uh, screens and stuff, so it's, it keeps you safe against the bugs and the rain. <sighs> I don't know. We don't have one, but it looks like it could be a good idea. If you are in inclement weather, take a look at the weather pods. One of the bizarre things that the RV navigators have found for you to maybe buy in the new year. So, ladies and gentlemen, 2021... 
2021 is coming to an end, and we want to wish you all a very happy new year. And of course, by the time you're listening to us, it's already 2022. And we hope to be with you for all 12 months of this coming year. And we hope that you're getting out and traveling. And we hope that it's a, a very good year for you. Have you made any resolutions? Why bother? It's hard to make resolutions right now. Our resolutions from last year didn't work out. Well, we wanted uh, to get vaccinated. Were, those were planned. The, the biggest thing that happened to us last year, I think, was vac- vaccine. Being vaccinated, yeah. And I think that was... Uh, last year we were worried about dying. Now we're worried about whether our cruise ship will go. It's quite a different kind of worry. Okay, so 2022 has fewer worries than last year at less this time. Serious, less serious. And we hope the same thing is true for you as you travel into the new year. And And we hope to see you in a campground near us uh, in 2022. Stay healthy, stay happy, and keep traveling. Bye Bye for now. now.